welcome to another exciting podcast from Sydney Life Church. And now, here's Pastor Tom Ingalls. Let's just pray over this word. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Father, help me um, communicate that which is on your heart to your precious people. Without your Holy Spirit, this is a mess, but I know that you will help me as you always do, and I thank you for it. I'm dependent on you again, in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We are living, um, in a, and I'm going, to, I'm going to do this next week and this week and next week, this kind of mini-series, but um, I want to talk about confronting the unknown. Confronting the unknown. We're living in perilous times, man. I'm telling you, a lot of the prophetic stuff that's been written in the Bible that men and women have been watching for since the time of Jesus, 2,000 years, but even before then, the prophecies, um, they've been watching this for 3,000 years. And, and we're, living, we're living in a time when everything's coming to pass right now. It's unbelievable. I don't know if you're aware of this as a church, but we have to waken up. And I really feel that next year I will do some stuff on the prophetic, end time prophetic. We'll do something uh, next year because I want, you to, I want to keep you up to speed with what I believe is happening. And it's important that you know that. It's important that you pray right regarding that. It's important that you know what's going on. So we're living in this uh, an unknown season. You know, we don't know what's up the road, and yet we do know that God's in control. Isn't that fantastic? I mean, that's a great thing. So the Bible says we're living in perilous times, seasons of unknown, seasons of uncertainty, seasons of, of uh, terrorism, uh, world uh, financial crisis, wars, rumors of wars. All that stuff is going on right now. And uh, we are privileged, and I say that, to live, to be a generation that is seeing all these things come together, together at one time. Um, I mean, on the one hand, it's like you're saying, well, this is crazy what's going on here. But on the other hand, and this is where you and I have got to be. And I keep saying it. We've got to be people who are saying, well, you know, in, in, in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of that gloom, in the midst of it could be nuclear war anytime. You and I have no idea. I look at the news every, mor- every morning. Uh, I, I just check it quickly on uh, just on BBC News, not a television, just on my iPad. And I, is the world still here? Because yeah. I'm really interested in world affairs. I'm interested in what's going on because it affects us. Mm-hmm. Amen? And it's going to speed up. Yeah. And we have to know, and we have to know how to operate in a season of uncertainty. Yeah. Because I'm going to show you this morning how not to operate in a season of uncertainty. And then next week I'll show you how to operate more in a season of uncertainty. But I mean, these seasons can catch you off guard. And if you're not prepared for them, you will be thrown completely. So there's these seasons, and God actually tells us, I'll read to you, don't go there, but it says, Now, uh, as to the times and dates, brothers and sisters, you have no need to be for anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the return of the Lord is coming, just as a thief in the, uh, in the night comes unexpectedly and suddenly. And so God expects us to be able to discern the seasons. In fact, He knows. He knows that we should know the seasons that we're living in. What to expect and what to do. There's nothing more important in these times for you to be updated on the things that God is doing. Yes. Amen. That's the most important thing for you and I to know. What is God up to? I could preach you sermons till the cows come home that might not even give you any prophetic insight into what God's doing. And it would not help you. It would just get you through maybe for the, for the, to the next week. But I really believe that preaching and teaching prophetically is very important in this season that we live in. You've got to be informed. I've got to be informed. So I know what to do. What am I supposed to do when all hell breaks loose around in this world, what am I supposed to do as a Christian? I don't want it to be a suddenly, I don't know, uh, there's fear, there's, there's panic. And there will be in a lot, of the, uh, a lot of the church who don't know what's coming or don't know how to prepare for it. There'll just be surprise after surprise after surprise and fear and fear and fear. The point I'm making is this. There is nothing new to cycles. There is nothing new to seasons. They're built into life, in fact. But we have to know what the seasons are. You get the seasons of spring, summer, autumn, winter. God has actually put them into life so that we're familiar with seasons. We know the seasons. We know the changing seasons. 
And yet he says, you know, can't you discern the, 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 the signs of the times? You, you, you know when the sky's red, what's going to happen. But can, it, can you discern the times? So to Jesus, this was a very important thing. Be, what did Jesus was saying is, be awake for what's coming, what's, what's there. Amen? And so uh, I want to talk to you about the night season. I want to talk to you about the night season. Day and night is in a, a 24-hour cycle. Think of it this. You can never have day all the time, and you can never have night all the time. So God has built seasons into us that we are very familiar with seasons. Different things happen in different seasons. During the day season, we work. During the night season, we rest. You mix those things up, you're in trouble. That doesn't mean that some of you don't work night shift. But you know what I'm saying? If you try and sleep two hours a day, or sleep two hours a night, you're supposed to be sleeping at night seven or eight hours. You can maybe do that for a short time, but you can't do that forever. So, so you and I are compelled by God, in a sense, to understand and flow with the seasons. Amen? I know you would like it maybe to be cold, but at the moment, we're almost in summer. Doesn't matter what, how you pray, what you do, global warming, all that stuff. It doesn't matter, man. Summer's going to be relatively warm compared to winter. That's just the way it is. You go to North America and they, they can't change it. They can pray as much as they want. They cannot change the seasons. And God says, there's these seasons that cannot be changed. In other words, there's a season of darkness and terror and everything coming on the earth. And God says, that's the season that I've decreed for the earth. It doesn't come from God, but God allows it. Yeah. Amen? So we're going to see this dichotomy. We're going to see this season where there's darkness on the earth, but at the same time there is light because God has said it. Amen? Amen? So, you're going to, so God's going to say that only my people, only my people can be surrounded by a dark season, but live in the light. That's incredible. Those outside of Christ will be compelled to live in a dark season. Season of fear. And I, I'm not trying to make you fearful. I'm trying to tell you how we've got to prepare. This is coming. The Muslims are not going to say tomorrow, oh, we made a mistake. We love everybody. And prophetically, I can sh I'll show you next year. I'll show you some of the prophecies, what's coming and why it's coming. The role of Iran, the role of Turkey. It's all been written very clearly in Scripture, but you've got to look for it so that we are prepared for what's coming. So I want to talk about the night season. The night season is a, is a very difficult season because I'm speaking about this in terms of spiritual, spiritually speaking. It's a season of when you don't have light on stuff. You don't really know what's going on. You don't understand. You're a little bit uncertain. You might feel scared. It's a time of uncertainty, unfamiliarity. Uh, sometimes it's a season where you feel this is unjust, this is unfair, unreasonable, uncommon, uh, unbelievable, unknown. And uh, I want to show you how not to cope with this because there's an incredible story in the Bible of one of God's powerful, most powerful prophets ever who actually did not know how to deal with a, a season, an unknown season. It's very powerful. And I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. Would you go there? 1 Kings chapter 19, you're going to see this. Because it shows you that even the most powerful of men can be caught unawares in an unknown season. You cannot afford to be, un, to be caught in an unknown season. Guys, this is the time to increase everything that you know is of God. Come on now. This is the time, this is the season for it. Because the night season is upon us. This is the season when, when attack will come. But you've got to be ready for it. Amen? And sometimes you say, how is it possible that I can be... Well, I'll come to this. I don't want to preempt my, my sermon. But you might say, how is it possible that this is going on, but yet this is going on? Because there's, there's darkness and light operating at the same time. How can it be possible some Christians want to just bathe in the light all the time and be glory, hallelujah, and everything. Guys, we have to be careful. Yeah. We cannot preach messages. It's going to just build you up all the time. And, and we have to build you up. I, 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 I want to believe that my messages build you up. But I want to be honest as well. Yeah. I don't want as a pastor, you, you'll go to heaven and say, you know, I, I sat under that man's ministry for years, but he never taught me what was coming. Yeah. 
All he taught me was this and that, and woo, everything's great. And I believe in that. I believe in prosperity. I believe in divine health. But I also believe that there's times coming when we will have to be strong. I spoke to those leaders last week, and I says, well, they weren't all leaders. Some of them were leaders. But I said this, what is God, God is saying right now is to mature the church. Get us ready so that we're strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Thanks for your enthusiasm this morning. But can you sense what I'm saying is true? I know that you know what I'm saying is true. I'm at your church. So anyway, there's this guy here. His name is Elijah. The greatest, one of the greatest prophets. Probably the greatest Old Testament prophet that ever lived. And uh, in verse 1 of 1 Kings 19, it says, And Ahab, wicked king, married to an even more wicked woman, Jezebel. You ever heard of Jezebel, right? In verse 1 it says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Elijah, man, was a giant in the kingdom. This guy was, you talk about power. This guy was powerful. I mean, he was, he was to be feared. He was to be, man, the prophet, this prophet. Nobody's ever seen anybody perform anything like this guy does. It's never been seen in the history of the world before. And so this wicked king Ahab goes along to his wicked wife Jezebel and he tells her, he tells her everything that he had done. That this great prophet had just single-handedly, I want you to get this impact. He'd single-handedly killed 450 prophets of Baal. Single-handedly. One man. I don't know how he did that. But one man killed 450 prophets of Baal. He called down fire from heaven. Nobody's ever done that. He even outrun the chariots and the horses. This time was undoubtedly the finest hour that Elijah had ever experienced. He'd raised the dead. He, he, I mean, he had, he had spoken, it will not rain, and it did not rain for three years. He proclaimed that over the entire nation, and it did not rain. He then proclaimed, let it rain, and it rained. He then did the miracle of provision for the, the, the widow of Zarephath. I mean, this guy was powerful. He raised the dead boy. This is a powerful man. Called down far from heaven. This is a big guy. Someone you fear. And so he went and he tells his wife. His finest hour. Then Jezebel, verse 2, sent a message to Elijah. Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me. And more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And so what she did was, she gave him a death threat. She, gave, she put 24 hours, a threat, on his life. She said, by this time tomorrow, you will be like one of the guys that you just beheaded. I will take your life. And so he got a bad report. But here's the thing. She doesn't explain how she's going to do it. She just gives him this death threat. 24 hours to love. Now, here's the point. What is this man going to do? What is this great man going to do? How is he going to react? What happens next is unbelievable in Scripture. But it happened. And it says in verse 3, And when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life. He got a threat, and he ran for his life. And he went to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. And he himself went a day's journey down the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. And he said, It is enough now, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. This is incredible. He runs for his life. He doesn't run one mile or two miles. He doesn't run one hour or two hours. He runs an entire day, 24 hours. And then he finds this broom tree. And he sits down under this tree. You can imagine the breaking news on CNN. Breaking news, the great prophet Elijah, the guy who's called down far from heaven, the guy who's raised the dead. 
He's, he, he's, he's ra- he, 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 he called down fire from heaven this morning, and tonight he's running. Who's he running from? He's running from this woman who put a death threat on his life. Can you see this? How can this be? How can this great man, this powerful man, this man who could hear from God, this man who could speak like God, now be running from a death threat? How can it happen? It's incredible. He was even sitting there contemplating suicide. He says, God, it's enough. I mean, from a threat, killed 450 prophets in the morning, and there, next day, he's sitting under a broom tree, saying to God, God, it's enough. I can't take it anymore. Can you imagine that? But what was he dealing with? He was dealing with an unknown. She did not tell him how he was going to die. It wasn't like he was in chains and she had a big sword next to his throat. It wasn't like that at all. He was way on his own, far from her, and yet he was in fear because it was the unknown he was dealing with. This guy could deal with tangible stuff, things he could see. But when it came to unknown things, he was different. He was fearful. And that's exactly what you and I have got to deal with. We deal with an unknown world, a world that we cannot see. And the enemy will come and he'll give us threats. How are we going to react? It'll often happen that you, will, you and I will get these threats just when we've had a great victory, when we've had a great breakthrough. Then, then the enemy comes. And you think, you know, when you're on that high, it's like, I can do anything for God. And that's the very time when the enemy will come and actually threaten you. But it's just a threat. It's an invisible enemy that you cannot see. He was running basically from the unknown. You ever found yourself running from the unknown? From the issues that nobody really knows what's going on in your life. Nobody knows what went on in the great apostle Paul's life, man. This powerful man. This intellectual giant, Paul. This guy that wrote two-thirds of the, the New Testament. And yet, he cried out to God and he says, God, deliver me from this messenger of Satan. Deliver me. And God says, my sufficient is enough. So in the midst of that, here's this powerful guy. There's never been anybody like Paul. There was never anybody like Elijah. And yet, he had to deal with incredible victory. And yet, at the same time, deal with something that God says, my grace is sufficient. In other words, you might be going through some stuff, and God says, I'm not going to give you all the answers to your problem. You're going to have to deal with this. Is this, is this okay for you this morning? You're going to have to deal with this to get through. See, we, we, we can't we can just speak a message of everything's all deliverance and everything's on the mountaintop all the time. You will get through and you will get to the mountaintop, but you may have to get through some stuff before you get there. This is a mature word. This is not for people who just want, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. This is for people who've got to get through some stuff. In fact, how it happens is the more God's going to use you, Usually the greater the attack. You have no idea what Barbara and I have gone through in 13 years to build a church. You have no idea. People go through stuff. But in the midst of that, God is powerful. God says, I'm going to bring you through the other end. And it's going to be very, very powerful. See, at the end of the day, it's not about you, it's about Him. Amen. Everything's for His glory. So God says, I know how to do this stuff. Just trust me. Don't try and do it your way. Don't try and get out of the situation before you should. Don't try and reach the mountaintop until I'm finished with you. You're understanding me. And I think you know where I'm coming from. Don't try and move out of the season that I've allowed you to be in. And so here was this great prophet. And he's, he's in something that is unbelievable. And he's saying, God... Let me just die. Let me just die. He's under the broom tree. Let me just die. You know, it's incredible that you can have such attack by the enemy that you can reach a place, even in your greatness, 
where you want to give up. You want to give up. It's too much. And so it goes on here, and it's just a powerful thing. But this thread of the unknown, I mean, you know, I could give you many examples of this. It's, it's, so, it's so powerful, um, and I say powerful in a negative sense, how the enemy lies. Well, you know, you're, 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 you know you're, you're, your father was an alcoholic, so yeah, you're going to be an alcoholic. Your auntie died of cancer, and so, oh, it runs in the family. You're going to die of cancer. Your parents were divorced. There's no chance for you. You have a deadly disease. You're told by the doctor you have a deadly disease. How many times do you die in your mind before you get the results back where the doctor says, it's all clear? Amen? What are you dealing with there? You're dealing with the threat of the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen. And so we tend to take the side of the enemy. We die a thousand deaths. And God says, there's no death in this. But what is in this is life. In this, you have to trust me. Hallelujah. Now, there's a couple of things I want you to see here about Elijah. Very important things. And this is why we fall prey sometime to the enemy. In 1 Kings 5, so there he is. In 1 Kings 19.5 it says, Then as he lay and he slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. So what does he do? He gets to, he runs and he runs and he runs from the unknown and he gets to the place where he exhausts himself. He's tired. Tired from what? He's tired from running from the unknown. Isn't this crazy? A great man of God. He's tired from running from the unknown. He gets to the broom tree and he falls asleep. So what I want to show you here is this. And this is a great lesson. I learned this from a great man of God. He said this. He says, God's greatest gift is rest. Use it well. You know, I was meditating on this this week, and I thought about this. God's greatest gift is rest. Use it well. And I thought, you know, that was an incredible statement that friend of mine made years ago, and I never got the impact of it until I was meditating on it this week. And the Lord told me this. He says, I said to the Lord, why is gift, I I know we go to sleep, but why is it the greatest gift? And the Lord says, Because if you don't rest, you actually can't work. Can you see that? See, we just think we can work and work and work and then get some rest. It's actually the opposite way. We've got to get rest so we can work. If you don't rest, you cannot work effectively. You'll be tired. You come to church and sleep. Not you, just some people. This This might shock you. This might shock you. Jesus' ministry was three and a half years. Do you know that for three years he's missing in action? You cannot find Jesus in any of the historical records in the Bible. You cannot find it from any of the commentators. All of them. There is about three months where Jesus is missing. He just disappears. What was he doing in those three months? Can I suggest to you, he was resting in his Father's presence. Don't get overexcited. I don't want you to go for three months and disappear from the church and then say, Pastor Tom, I was just... People, people can get really scary, man. You know, it's like, whoa! Pastor Tom, I just, I'm resting in Jesus. I, all's good. Everything's good, you know, but I'm just, I'm resting in the Lord. Oh, I'm having such a... Whoa! She tied and I said, shut up. Just get to church, man, and get a life. Amen. No much enthusiasm there, but anyway. But you know what I'm talking Some people can spiritualize anything. Well, I don't have to go to church. You have to go to church. You have to pray. You have to read your word. You have to do all that stuff. So, <clears throat> the second thing, and this is incredible. He's tired from running. He's mentally tired that caused phys- physical ex- exhaustion, I believe that. So, so <clears throat> you've got you to rest. Well, first of all, you don't be fearful. But it's, you see, here's how it works. It's simple. 
It's not complicated. If you're continually tired, you're probably running from something. That's a good line. I'm going to write that down. It wasn't my sermon notes, but I'm going to write it down and use it. If you're tired, continually tired, you're probably running from something. There is something annoying you that should not annoy you. You have to deal with that. Amen? This is exactly what happened to him. But there's something else going on here. He's tired, and this is not brought out in Scripture, but I can assure you it's there. He's tired from false expectation. He's tired from false expectation. Think about this. The nation hadn't turned to God. And God's man and power of the earth, the, 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 the guy of all the prophets, the guy that God had set up to do all these miraculous things, he's tired from false... This is a very, very powerful thing. What I'm going to share with you right now is a point why most leaders and pastors fail. They fail from the lie of false expectation. He's probably thinking to himself, God, I mean, what, what, what more? Fire from heaven? I did it. I raised the dead. I did it. I supernaturally surprised for the wood. I mean, I did it. Nobody's ever done anything like this. And yet the nation has not turned around. He's probably saying in his mind, isn't miracles enough for the nation to turn around? Isn't it enough? And so the... A great tool of the devil is this, is to deceive you into thinking you're not achieving what you should. That you're a failure. But in fact, here's how you can measure if you're not a failure. If you keep doing what God told you to do, then you're a success. Somebody help me here. Amen. You keep doing what God told you to do, then you're a success. Amen. How are you going to measure failure and success? Well, are you doing what God's telling you to do? Yeah. What are you doing in this season? I'm a good housewife. I'm a good mother. I'm a good father. I'm a good whatever. Then you're you're a success. Don't try and look for, for results from man. Because there may be seasons where you don't get any results. Amen. You don't tangibly see any results. Does that mean you fail? No, it just means you know, you've got to know how to deal in that season. Are you still doing the next thing that God told you to do? Or did you do the last thing that God told you to do? But he's probably struggling from this whole... There's almost like an insecurity come into this guy. You can see that... I mean, one minute he's in, the, he's in the sunshine and the next minute he's in the darkness. All within 24 hours. So in spite of the fact that God used him so powerfully, there's stuff going on in Elijah's mind. That was never dealt with. This gives incredible insight into the greatest prophet in the Old Testament who ever lived. Incredible insight. But he's also tired from pride. Because the scripture shows us as you read on here, he's basically saying he thought he thought he was the only prophet in the whole nation. In other words, he's thinking, I'm the only one that's actually doing anything around here. I'm the only prophet that's got fire from heaven. Where's these other guys? Nobody else has raised the dead. I'm the guy who's raised the dead. So he's struggling from pride as well. And God says, wait a minute, let's put things in perspective here. He says, I've already reserved 7,000 prophets. Your prophet's 7,001. Wow. But he thought that he was the only one. Anyway, it goes on in in, in, in verse 5. It says, um, Then he lay and he slept under the broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and there by his head, I love this, was a cake. This is a beautiful picture. Baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and he lay down again. Uh, this, this, get this picture here. The guy is hungry and he's tired. And the angel comes and, and, and he, he gives him a hot cookie. The angel must have known that he liked hot cakes. Amen? And he obviously loved water. Oh, he needed water. But here's what's beautiful. Watch this picture now. That, that 
the cake and the water was beside his head. He did not even have to stretch for the provision. The provision couldn't have been any closer. All he had to do was consume it. Amen. Your provision is right there. Isn't that incredible? See, you know, you would think, well, God could have just done it, you know, just anything will do just to get the, the guy by. But God actually cooked it for him. And God put it right there for him. I think that's an incredible picture. And he says uh, in verse 6, Then he looked, and there by his side was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time. So he had some more sleep on a full stomach. And touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and he ate and he drank. And he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights, etc., etc. So the point I'm making here is this. I'm I'm, I'm going to bring it to a, a close here. The point is this, that the night season is a very, very difficult season. We can take a lot from this. We can take a lot of warning from this and we can take a lot of strength from this. The warning we can take from this is that you can be in one place one day and another place another day. You can go from here to here. So how then do you deal with sudden dramatic change in season? Because it might come. Amen? How do you deal with that? The way you deal with that is that you keep a constant middle place where you're never ever low on the word, low on prayer, low on worship, low on intimacy. You keep that place, you keep that there all the time. So that when the, when the, the night comes, when the threat comes, and I'm not, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that this is a personal thing that you're going to... I'm saying, I'm talking about globally. I'm talking generically what's going on in the world. Because a lot of Christians who are not strengthened and ready for this are going to get very fearful and they will fall away. So, so how, do, how are you going to be prepared for this? How is you and I going to be prepared if someone strikes... Israel overnight. How are we going to be prepared? How would we be prepared if missiles struck Darwin tomorrow morning? How would we be prepared if there was a, a, some kind of smart bomb or some kind of bomb went, went, went out over the UK or over America and, and there was a catastrophic global crisis, financial crisis, like we have never seen before? How are you going to react? Now I'm asking you a question. How are you going to react I can predict it. You will be fearful if you have not been maintaining that high ground, as it were, with God. You will be fearful like everybody else. But if you've been maintaining that high ground with God, you're going to be in the right place. It doesn't mean you'll understand it all. But you'll be in a good place. You'll be in a place where other people, and God's going to use this, where other people will come to you and say, what is it that you're at calm and you're at peace right now? And I'm not. What is it? Why are you not fearful right now with the financial crisis that's taking place? Because the, cr- the next crunch that comes will be massive. I'm telling you right now that America does not even know where to turn right now. America has no idea what is going to happen next. And unless America turns and starts to pray, unless Australia prays, we could all be caught up in something we don't want to be caught up in. But I'm dealing with you. And I'm dealing with us at this level. I don't want you to be fearful. I don't want you to be taken unawares. Why would you run from a threat? when you don't have to. You know, he could have sat down there with, with God and said, you know, when he was having his, his cake and his... Imagine that, when he was having his cake and his, his warm water. And, uh, 
And, and he's sitting there. We got, he knew God provided for him. He could have said, God, why did, I, why did I allow myself to get through all of this? Why did I do that? What was, what was wrong with me? I should never have gone through this. But I did. So give us some insight. Now I'll close with this. The feeder had not been fed. The leader had not been led. The teacher had not been taught. The physician had no doctor. The counselor had no counsel. The therapist had no therapy. The comforter was not comforted. Think about it like this. There was no demons. There was no hexes. There was no spells involved in this. It was simply a fact that he had run from the unknown threat from a woman who didn't tell him how she was going to go about it. Elijah, this is the kicker in this whole thing. Elijah said, God, let me die. That's what it says there. He said to God, God, I've had enough. Let me die. But you know what? The actual fact is he didn't want to die. We can say some stuff sometimes. It's really stupid. Do you know what I'm saying? God, I just give up. That's it. But you actually don't want to give up. You just want to be heard. Isn't that true? You just want to be heard. If he really wanted to die, he could have walked back to Jezebel. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, he knew the way. But he didn't want to go back, so he didn't want to die. And when he analyzed it at the end of the day, because he goes and does some incredible things after this, but most of his great miracles were done before this. Before this. In his life, Elijah's life. But, I mean, it's like he didn't actually want to die. He must have sat down after this and thought, what was that all about? Why did I allow myself to get in? How could I have done that? Because he feared a threat that was simply a threat. Do you know something? That's exactly how the enemy operates against us. It's all threats. Everything is a threat. How are you going to deal with those threats when they come? The threat is, how am I going to make it in life? How am I going to get through this month? Start thinking, I'll never make it. And God's actually right there with a hot cookie in the water. You're in a thirsty place spiritually, man. You're hungry. And God basically says, that's how, why you've come to this place. You're spiritually hungry. You're spiritually thirsty. Now, here's a point. Does everybody have to go through that? I don't believe we have to. But we have to understand how it works. Guys, Christianity is as simple as this. And I'll close with this. Christianity is as simple as this. Maintain your place in God and you'll eliminate a lot of this stuff. Amen? It's not complicated stuff. All the counseling that pastors do, the hours that they spend speaking to people, stuff. And I know we go to counsel, but stuff and stuff. How many times we've got to pray for people? And, and I know we've got to pray and we gladly do that. I'm not saying that's wrong. But there is so much stuff going on in people's lives that doesn't have to be done. They would maintain their own place in God. Now, I'm encouraging, and, and I do, if you need agreement in prayer, if you need prayer, let me and Barbara know. Let the leadership know. We want to pray for you. But a lot of this stuff could be eliminated if we know how to deal, because most of it is just a threat. The, de- the devil has no power over you. Jezebel had absolutely no power over this guy until he gave her power. He was in his most vulnerable, vulnerable place when he was running away from her, because that's when she could have taken him. But she, she didn't. Amen. Only when he went back into that place of being strengthened by God and the, the, the cake and the water is a, is a strength. It's God saying, I want to strengthen you. I want to show you that I'm here. So much so, he says, you can run with us for the next 40 days. You won't even have to eat again. Amen. Now, he could have said, he could have said, I want to die. 
And he could have refused God's provision. He could have refused the spiritual bread, the cookie. He could have refused the Holy Spirit's help, the water, and died under the bitter root of the broom tree. The broom tree had a bitter root. He could have died in that place of bitterness. That's the picture that that is shown as well. The broom tree had a, a bitter, bitter root. You know, in ancient times, you only ate from the broom tree if you were absolutely dying. It was last minute stuff. And God says, you don't have to touch that because that's the root of bitterness. Amen. So deception, threat, bitterness will kill you. You can't afford any of that. And so the last thought is this. You need to organize your limits. He had limits. You need to know when to stop when you're tired. You need to know when you're hungry, spiritually hungry. You need to know. Amen. In fact, you need to give yourself permission to be tired and to be hungry. And, and do it more than you think you should. You know, Don't top up once a week. Top up every day in God. Because can't you feel the difference when you do that? It's like when you're in, in the Word or when you've been reading, even if you just read a few scriptures, you know, when you pray, you feel like something has topped you up. You feel strength for another day. Not a four, no 40 days. For another day. I speak that over your life in Jesus' mighty name. How to deal with the unknown. It can happen. And next week I'm going to show you more on this. It's quite amazing, some of the stuff. There's a lot more in this story than meets the eye. It's an incredible insight that God has allowed us to have into this great man of God. So let's just stand and worship God. Is there anybody here that has had some kind of lung lung condition? I want to pray for you right now. Is it, is it, is your key? Okay, that's amazing. Okay, come, come then. You know, that's amazing. I just got that right now. But, you know, downstairs this morning, I heard you coughing and I, I didn't like it, but I, I forgot all about it. I forgot all about it. Well, we curse this in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> we have power and authority over this. I need one of the guys to come and help me. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We, we curse this. Just feel this word of knowledge working strong this morning. I'm going to explain this. Is there anyone, I'm trying to explain it. Is there anyone that's had some kind of bulging, um, it's a bulging vein that's come up and uh, I don't know whether it's the neck, but it started to bulge. Is there anybody like that this morning? I want to pray for you. Is there anyone like that? I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Let's just continue to pray. Thank the Lord for the gifts this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Worship you. You know that bulging vein, if, if it's not you, then you know someone. I feel strong about this this morning. You know someone who's got a condition like that. And I think it's in the, it's in the neck area. I want you to come out as a proxy and I want you to go back and pray for that person. I'm just going to press with this because I really feel it. I don't want to miss it. In Jesus' name. So let's just continue with worship. worship. If that's you, if you know someone like that, or if it's you I'm talking about this morning, and I want you to come to the front so I can pray for you right now. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for your healing power right now in our midst. We thank you, Lord. Father, we speak to sickness right now and disease. We command it to go in the name of Jesus. Command it to go in Jesus' name. 
Jesus, 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 thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Kirabashi Jesus. Will you see her then? Will you see her? Okay, we'll pray then. Penny believes it may be someone that she she knows. So you won't say, well, just pray then. There's no, um, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just lift up that person. And we curse that in the name of Jesus. We thank you for exposing darkness. I don't want to mention the name, but I know this person. I know, I know this person well. So, Father, we just thank you for the blood of Jesus. We just command that. We just command it to go down and be normal in Jesus' mighty name. We speak to the walls of the veins. We command them to be normal in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Is there such a thing as a dry eye? Dry eye. Is anybody struggling with dry eye? Is it, is it you? You get it all the time. Come on, we'll pray for you. Okay, that's fine. Just a one island. Okay, we'll pray. Just let you. It's a right eye. Father, in the name of Jesus, we curse this thing right now and we thank you for healing, Father. Father, you're the healer. And we curse it. We command it to be right in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Jesus. It's good. Just receive it. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's just thank the Lord. Amen. Just thank the Lord. Come on, I just want you to stir something in your hearts today. Just start to stir, stir faith in your hearts for healing this morning. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus. Start to pray in the Spirit this morning. Amen. Okay, is there anyone here had a, some kind of facial injury? I don't know if it was a fall some years ago. It's kind of up in the cheek, uh, the cheekbone area. I don't know if the, that was kind of the source of it, but the pain has, has been all over. I want to pray for that person, facial. Ian, anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, we curse the yeah. Let's just continue to pray. Thank you, Jesus. I, I was just going to go with this this morning. Does anybody get up? It's, um, I don't know if it's vertigo, but it's like um, incredibly, just almost instantaneously feeling a, a blackout, and then it comes back. It's, it's, it just comes and goes, and it, it affects you. It affects your standing. I want to pray for that person. 
I don't know if I'm explaining it properly, but it's it's affects your balance and it's is it you, Judy? Can you describe it to me? Did you? Oh wow. Okay. Okay, that's exactly then what we got. That's exactly what we got then. Praise God. Thank you. Let's just pray. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your healing power. Lord, we we give you thanks for healing, delivering, and setting free. Thank you, Lord. You're the healer. You're the healer, Lord Jesus. We are powerless that the Holy Spirit can touch, transform, and change lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much, Lord. Just look to the Lord this morning. We're going to pray just now for others. Oh, Lord God. Father, we give you praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. You've begun a work in our lives, and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He has begun a good work in you. will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That God has begun something and he's not going to stop. For those who are thirsty, those who are hungry, those who will not submit to threats, in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This has been another podcast from Sydney Life Church. For more teaching and resources, please head to our website, sydneylifechurch.com.